Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. Congrats. You found $2 Late Fee, the best 80s movies podcast in the world. We revisit our favorite 80s movies. And sometimes 90s. And soundtracks from our youth. And then we interview our favorite people who help make them. All in the spirit of nostalgic positivity. Thanks for listening. Welcome to my home and lifestyles of the rich and undeserving. It's a laugh. You are such a jerk. It's a scream. Okay, so I spazzed out. It's a real panic. Is something wrong? April Fool's Day. Get ready to party till you drop. Rated R. Do you have any experience with uh, Omegle? No. Like for a brief period of time, there was something called like chat roulette. I remember chat roulette. It's like one of those situations where I guess you just connect with random people online. Never used it. I have no interest in using it, but I've um, gotten really into these like various YouTubers that uh, that just do like prank videos on uh, on, on Omegle. Pranking people on there? Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. It's really good stuff. They post it on YouTube? Yeah, there's just like there's just like tons of people that just make content based off of Omegle. And one of the people that I've seen is not a pranker, but is a freestyle rapper and is fucking amazing. Oh. And he just like gets on with people, asks them for three words, and then creates like a five-minute masterpiece. Oh, wow. That's cool there's this one guy that I'm watching that he's like, he pranking people and it's like really, I don't know. It's like really inspiring the level of pranks. Cause it's just real, um, uh, tech, tech, technologically savvy. You know, he does like, he edits these videos as if they're live. So people think they're seeing something live. So like, he's like, ah, I see he's on a roller coaster and then they're like, are you on a roller coaster? And, uh, and he's like, yeah, man, hang on, let me show you the view. And then he drops his phone. And so everyone's like, oh, you know, so people just think they're witnessing some crazy thing on Omegle. Uh, and it's very amusing. I bring up the pranks because when it comes to April Fool's Day. Yeah, exactly. You know, I find that most people just do dumb shit. They don't do like anything clever. It's not really like, it's just some dumb gotcha moment. Like somebody yeah. on social media will post that they're like, Oh, after, you know, 30 years, I'm quitting uh, the yeah. industry or whatever. And you're like, oh, wow. But, but like, it's just it, there's, the payoff isn't good, you know, as opposed to something that is kind of like, what did I just see? The things that make you go like, is this really happening? Am I, uh, you know, have I lost my mind? And of course, like on Omegle, it's a lot of people are super high and they just, they, they get super high and then they go on this, this <laughs> chat and they chat with strangers. And so like, if you're super high and then you see something that you don't quite understand whether or not it's real and then something else happens on top of that it's just real that's really amusing and it's all you know and, and the more wholesome and, and good-natured it is uh the the better because mean mean pranks are just kind of dumb anyway yeah i've been victim to uh 
various websites being like, hey, we're having a big sale tomorrow. Click the, you know, click on the link and you're going to get up to 75% off. And you click and then, <laughs> April Fool's. Right. But we'll give you 20% off just right. because we're dicks. Like, wait a minute. That's not cool. It's a weird gotcha moment. I really thought you were going to say I've been victim of waking up to having balls on my face from my brother. And I, um, I, did I tell you that? <laughs> I ha- That's happened. I know. Like, and elephant that's, man, that's elephant not, man. That's not a, like, what? Elephant man. <laughs> that's not a great uh, April Fool's either. That's No, we're talking about when we were kids, unfortunately. Well, it doesn't matter when it, it happened. It doesn't matter, the, the, right. The, the whole point is it's horrible that it did happen. I, I don't think there's any age where you want to wake up to balls in your face or any no. age when it's really acceptable. Never. It's never acceptable. Um, but Elephant Man, that is, <laughs> that is pretty funny. I'm going to give that. Hey Zach, stop hitting yourself! Stop hitting yourself! Stop hitting yourself! Uh, oh God! Oh my God! Just... When Bodhi said to me, he's like, "I think I want to be a big brother." Or if, if he's ever brought that up, I'm like, "Let me tell you about siblings." <clears throat> oh, you've got a whole uh, campaign as to why he wouldn't want to be a big brother. Yeah, I don't know. I have a bias, but that, that's that's for that's me. So, right, that's me. Uh, but April Fool's Day. I was thinking like, like Bodie, Bodie, listen, you don't want to be a big brother because you don't want to put your balls in anyone's face. <laughs> it's just not who you are. So let's oh. just table this conversation. Let's table it. I guess this is all to say the reason why we're doing April Fool's Day in May is because April Fool's Day, April Fool's pranks are kind of lame and we're not into them. And uh, we have an upcoming interview with Deborah Goodrich, star of April Fool's Day. And just one of the guys, but we already covered just one of the guys. We weren't going to talk about remote control that she did with uh, Kevin Dillon way back when. Mm. Um, well, you you would maybe do it. I'm podcasting after dark. That would track. <laughs> yeah, that could work. I feel like you would just solo do it. It's like Zach's video diary, and then you just talk about remote control. Yeah, maybe, yeah, Patreon exclusive Zach's yeah. video diary. Zach's video diary in which he discusses very obscure movies. That it might cut, it might, it might happen, guys. It might happen down the road. I'm... Currently, uh, Territory Marks is one extra episode uh, a month that we'll we'll throw in. That that's enough for me for now. Right. Uh, for those just listening for the first time, Territory Marks is. Our brand new show. Well, if you're just listening for the very first time, then we have a lot to catch up on. Um, we sure do. Big time. But Territory Marks is our brand new, uh, what we call our umbrella umbrella episode under under the 2.0 Late Fee Umbrella. It is all about the glory days of professional wrestling with yourself and, and pro wrestler Paul London. Yeah, from uh, mostly the 80s, a little bit of 90s, maybe a little bit of late 70s, but mostly 80s. Wrestling matches, wrestling personalities, what was going on in the 80s, pro wrestling style. For those of you that have listened to the show regularly over the years, you know I love wrestling. And for those of you that are new, I love wrestling. Excellent. Would you say that the glory days of professional wrestling are subjective? Like everyone's glory days are different? Yes, because it's a generational thing. If you grew up in the... If you were born in the late 80s and watched wrestling in the 90s, you'd say the Attitude Era with Steve Austin and The Rock. That was the right. best time for wrestling. Or if you grew up in the 70s, you'd say, oh, the 70s were the best time. So it's all subjective. It's us personally talking about matches we love. Uh, has nothing. To, we don't From your crap glory on days. stuff we don't like. Yeah. My glory days, right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is how it should be. Yeah. I mean, I was a latchkey kid growing up in front of the TV, and... Wrestling was almost always on. It was a it was a comforting friend at times mm. when they needed it. So we've talked about we've had this is our second episode now, and um, there's so much content obviously to talk about, and just covering one match alone is 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 tricky. But we toe dip into the precursor to uh, Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman mm. before. Before Andy Kaufman put Jerry Lawler on the map in a pop culture sense, like a more of a wider known oh, sense. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. He did something with another guy, uh, actually 80s movie star Terry Funk from Roadhouse Over the Top. Yes. 
And that's a whole other conversation. So if you haven't checked out that episode, go check it out now. It's fun after you listen to this one. So that is what you guys talk about in the latest episode. Yeah, we talk about that one. And then we talk about a guy who uh, was given the moniker Magnum T.A. from Andre the Giant. Oh, Magnum T.A. is a professional was a professional wrestler who had a similar look to Tom Selleck and except he had a mullet and he was with Andre one night and Andre's like, you got to call yourself Magnum Magnum instead of Magnum P.I. Call yourself Magnum T.A. because his name's Terry Allen. Okay. So we talk about a match with Magnum T.A. and the Russian nightmare, Nikita Koloff. Nice. He's from Minnesota, and he's an American. So <laughs> Look forward to checking it out. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, that's um, Territory Marks, and that's our latest episode. And then, obviously, after this episode in two weeks, we'll have Deborah Goodrich uh, talking about her career and her writing career as well. But before we get to April Fool's Day, before we get to our tease for her uh we should acknowledge in a very big way a new patreon patron to our show should we not we absolutely should you know the patreon is um has not been going for for that long but uh it is where we throw out a bunch of bonus content it is where we have um you know a, a segment called two dollars six questions it's a it's an exclusive segment with our celebrity guests that where our patrons ask the questions it is always the the best part of the guests time with us they're always like oh always. wow this is the best you guys just spoke for like an hour and a half but that was whatever thanks you know now we get to talk <laughs> you know hear questions that really matter to me um and our our newest patron at our at our highest tier, our best of the best tier, is Dylan Laurie. And Dylan, uh, we cannot thank you enough. This is really yeah. uh, appreciated. And um, of course, part of Dylan's benefits will include a, you know, we have a we have a customized um, mix CD that we send out to our top tier every six months. You get uh, featuring songs uh, from the show that we talk about other stuff really obscure things but um that's just one of the benefits and tons and tons of exclusive video bonus content as well yeah dylan's gonna get a nice little package very soon in the mail uh for his first installment of his mix cd and dylan yeah you're the man thank you so much um more accolades to follow on our social media so look out for that yeah well by the time this airs you will you will you have presumably had all that so hopefully <laughs> so i'll say i hope you enjoyed all the accolades we did for you in the past <laughs> hey, you know, all that nice stuff we did for you hope you liked yeah. it hope you appreciated yeah. that yeah. yeah 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 they're big guy um but we are about to discuss in a very interesting way will be very uh muted i think or abbreviated in, in our discussion about this movie april fool's day because it's spoiler city, depending on what we say and reveal. Um, I still think that there is an audience that has not watched this movie yet. It was a it was a minor hit when it came out, and it played really well on TV. Um, but I think maybe our audience, a, a majority of our audience, has not seen April Fool's Day yet. Uh, I would totally agree with that. In fact, myself, I had not seen this until uh, mid-pandemic. For the first time oh, during that was the first during time lockdown you watched it? indeed we had talked about um clayton roner um you know it was coming up a lot we we're talking about just one of the guys we we're talking about clayton um how much we enjoy clayton's work and we talked about um you know we've we've talked about summer school we talked about ken oland um we talked about deborah goodrich so um you know these are the it was only natural then because many of the cast, uh, many of the people involved in a lot of our favorite movies are in this movie. Um, yeah. And I had not seen it. And it was, uh, yeah, so three years ago. So it uh, is, is when I first sat down to to check it out. Aaron and I watched it, you know, and I was totally, I don't want to say totally fooled, but um, but it was the kind of thing I was like, oh, had I seen this, in 1986, well, I would have been very young and very scared. But 
had yeah, I seen it and I I'd was. say, you know, then, yeah, then the, the, the twists and things would have really rocked my world. Cause now they still, they, I was still like, whoa, but we've, we've seen a lot of these devices, um, since, you know, we've seen, there's a lot of homages, but this movie in particular, like just the kind of the, um, you know, the summer camp, even though it's not a camp, but it is that kind of like, you know, uh, device of X amount of people go to an island. Um, you know, we've, we've seen it in many different ways. It's certainly very popular with Agatha Christie and her writing style, you know, 10 little Indians, um, or, and then there were, then there were none. I, I think it was, it was, it was renamed that, um, because yeah, 10 little Indians was deemed in- offensive. But um but you know, books like that strangers show up, there's a murder. Um Ryan Johnson is doing a lot of a lot with his with his Glass Onion series that's basically what we're what we're talking about. You know, uh there's no uh detective per se in April Fools Day, but the the basic the basic premise of of uh, a bunch of friends that go to a special little island (laughs) and murders start to occur. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting you brought up Glass Onion and um, Knives Out, that that style, that kind of comedic thriller style. I saw this movie when it came out, and I remember being very much surprised because I went into it cold, had no idea what the twists and turns were. And, um, as, as a, uh, I think I probably saw it when I was 11 because it came out on VHS. I don't think I, I definitely did not see this in the theater. I was pleasantly surprised because it's so different. And I still, I think that this film still sets apart from the current influenced films of this genre. Like, I still think that it sets itself apart from all of that stuff. It's not perfect by any means. You know, there's there's elements of it where you're like, nah, it didn't work. Um, but overall, to have that kind of big chill vibe meets a horror film is really fun. It is the whitest ensemble cast I think I've ever seen in my entire mm-hmm. life next to Big Chill. Uh, but that's that's the 80s, guys. Yep. But man, what a cast! Like, it, it, like you said, it's got people that we absolutely love, and movies we've covered from their careers, and other people I've accused of being dead when they're still actually alive. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say you um, accused anybody. It was no, just, I didn't accuse, but I, I, Gr- Griffin O'Neill. Griffin O'Neill is in this. Uh, he was in the Wraith, obviously, and then go back to listen to our Wraith episode where I mistakenly think that he has passed away. He didn't pass away. He was involved in a horrible accident, which caused the death of a Coppola family member. Yeah. The only awkward thing about the Wraith episode is just that you had planned a whole memorial um, segment, and you started... I did. You you know, you dressed in black, and you put on the music, and we were, you know, and Corey... I made a collage. Corey Stevenson and I were... <laughs> Corey was joining us from Podcasting After Dark on that episode, and... And we were looking at each other and we're like, you know, he's not, he's not dead. And you were like, oh, and then you just quickly cleaned up all your stuff. And we, we got back to recording, but that was, that was the only problem with it. But, but yeah, Griffin O'Neill doing good. Very much still alive. <laughs> Damn it. In a good way. Augie. Yeah. But obviously this movie has Clayton Roner and you guys know how much we love Clayton. He plays a very different role than what he plays as Rick Morehouse in just one of the guys. It's very different from that. Not necessarily an unlikable character, but a little sleazy and every, actually a lot of the characters are sleazy in their own way. Yeah. Um, Well, they have to be. Yeah. Because we have to, um, we have to dislike them just enough so that if they happen to be murdered, we're just kind of cool with it. True. That's important. You know, that's important that we have to be like, Oh, that's kind of whatever. We should kind of shout out some of the other people in this movie. Uh, and then there's a few that I would love to talk to you more specifically about. You said Ken Oland is in this. Obviously, Ken is a hunky boy. Mm-hmm. He's still hunky yep. his, uh, his, at his current age. And one hell of a nice guy. We, we had the opportunity to meet Ken at Pasadena Comic Con. Um, 
earlier than January of 2023 this year. We did. We have a whole summer school panel, which uh, hopefully we can we can get up on our feed at some point because um, uh, we had pretty much all the dudes uh, of the summer school class join us uh, at Pasadena Comic Con. Sans uh, Mark Harmon. We didn't have Mark, but I think we had uh, yeah, pretty much all the other guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we didn't have that one guy who went to the bathroom. Yeah, we didn't have him. <laughs> and we didn't have Dave. We didn't oh, we didn't Dave. have Dave. That's true. Sorry, Dave. But we had Chainsaw once again. Yep. And Ken is, I mean, Ken is funny. We'll, we'll have him on the show down the road. Uh, Patrick Labrador as well um, was on that panel, and we'll have him on when we cover Heathers, I'm sure, at some point. Maybe this year or next. Um, but yeah, what do you think? What are your thoughts on uh, Ken Olin's character um, in, in this in this film, Rob? Right. I mean, so you know, you've got in the '80s the word "yuppie" was thrown around a lot, right? And um, we, as you said, it's this is a, this is a very white white cast, and um, they really. With every with all the cast members, they really kind of do a very intentional thing, which is like give them very yuppie names, like yeah. Muffy Saint John. <laughs> yeah, Muff. Yeah, Muffy. Muffy. And, I uh, mean, have you ever encountered anyone kit? named Muffy since 1989? And really, that was that no. was that was such a cliched movie name of the 80s but if there was a character named muffy you were guaranteed to not like them it was just like a given like there's there's no we're naming our protagonist muffy and you're like oh she's gonna be cool right it's kind of impossible yeah yeah who would who who do you know in your world in your life that's named muffy that you would want to hang out with it's like muffy and buffy and it's just like you know toughy i I know Scruffy. Buffy the Vampire Slayer was an incredibly popular show, but I, I don't know anyone who was like, oh, we named our daughter that after uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character. And the whole point of Buffy was like, that was a parody initially of a cliche parody of that character who became a badass, right? Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, right. So anyway, so when we talk about, you know, Ken Olin's character, it's like he... Uh, he gets into, he's very like sad. He's just kind of mopey and we're sort of introduced <laughs> to him cause he's like, yeah, well he had a shitty day, <laughs> right? He had a really, he had a really shitty day and he didn't get into, um, he didn't get into med school. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to, and it's like, oh, poor you, but that's part of the device, right? It's part of the whole thing. It's like, all right, this guy's really wealthy. They're on this wealthy Island. It's supposed to take place in Cape Cod, or not Cape Cod, but that area, right? Yeah. Uh, but it, but they filmed it in in Canada, British Columbia. Yeah, Vancouver, right? Yeah. So, yeah. um, but yes, Ken is sort of the definitely a hunky boy, but also just very much like the the preppy rich guy you know, who's like hard, like the hardest part of his day is like, what am I going to wear? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or the, the, the 13th mile that he jogged. Right. You know, right. Cause he's got, he's, he's like built like a brick shit house, And, uh, <laughs> he is the dude, the dude at one point is wearing super short shorts and you see his like awesome legs. I would have killed for legs like that. Still do would, um, <laughs> And, and so he's, you know, he epitomizes that, like, good guy, that quintessential 80s good guy look, yeah. right? I'm not giving anything away. You guys know this is clearly a horror film or horror thriller. Um, so I will say that he has one of the best crying moments in this movie. <laughs> it's a laugh out loud uh, moment. And um, it's it, it's just the clip alone doesn't, I don't think would would give anything away it's so good yeah like he's so it's so entertaining it's so funny i think it's intentional the whole thing but you're like whoa this guy for sure can really wail (laughs) 
just to back up a little bit on the on you know we sort of talked about the premise but it is that you know Muffy has invited all of her friends I think it's just like a like a long weekend yeah it's not a birthday it's just a gathering yeah it's just a, just a gathering um, at the island they have to take a boat there and from the moment the movie starts we are sort of introduced to a lot of different pranks. Yes, um, from the onset, yeah. Right, you know, and that gives you kind of that April Fool's, you know, kind of a feeling. Um, there's also a lot of, um, I, I do really like this, that there's a lot of sort of exposition that's set up at that dock when they're all waiting for the boat. Um through the lens of a uh, maybe a Super 8 camera, I think. It's a handheld it's camera. A VHS camcorder, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Clayton Rohner played by, plays the character Chaz. 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 I mean, there's another name. It's, it's a perfect example. Chaz and Buffy. Griffin O'Neill plays Skip, by Skip. the way. I didn't yep. want to. Um, but Chaz is a filmmaker, and he's the he, he looks like an artist. And and his girlfriend, his girlfriend is Deborah Goodrich, Nikki. So so she she's introduced as Mary. Like she she's I wrote this down. She goes, "I'm Mary O'Reilly O'Toole O'Shea." It's really funny. Yes, um, it's a great great intro to her character. But her real name's Nikki, and that's Clayton's girlfriend, also the friend of Muffy. Well, I think she's is she is she do she's doing a character. I think. She's doing a character, but I initially, when I first saw it, I was confused. Right. I see. I think that would be confusing to a, a new audience member. Yes. Like, is this, are they doing a documentary? Is this a fit, made up movie? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. For sure. But I think that right away, it really does a good job of setting up kind of who all the characters are, even if they're all kind of like white and look very similar um yeah that would not fly today today we'd have a much more diverse cast which would be totally fine but in the 80s it would just it, it it's just what we did man it's just what you did white whitewashed everything but but when you're talking about the 80s and that particular demographic of privileged you know white people it is it is it is sort of satisfying you know in a way yes. like Yes, you I know, agree. so you could remake it today with the same idea and just have, um, you know, the most diverse characters be the ones that <laughs> survive. Which I guess and, is what you did with Glass Onion, right? In a way. Right. What you did with uh, the one, the menu, yep. uh, the one on the island. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But in this, yeah. And that totally tracks. I think they even call that out in the movie. They I do. forget who says it, but they even say that like we're privileged kids or pri privileged college kids or whatever. Uh, within they're like in their senior year, most yep. of them. Right. Yep. So along with Deborah Goodridge, you have uh, our other favorite Deborah of the time, Deborah Foreman. Who plays Muffy. Who yeah. plays Muffy. It is her, it is her parents' uh, place, her parents' in. Yes, this grand old house, this beautiful grand old house. Yes, and Deborah Foreman, of course, most well-known from Valley Girl. Uh, we know her from Real Genius. This is such a dumb thought, but I wonder, you know, when you have two, two actresses who go by Deborah on set, um, do they have nicknames? Is one of them Deb, Debbie? That's a great question. D it's not that great, but it's... Well, it's, it's, you know, these are the question. logistics that I think about, um, you know, are they going by, uh, by Foreman and, and Goodrich, you know, I don't know. That seems Foreman weird. and Goodrich sounds like a law firm. It does. But, um, it also sounds like a TNT court, uh, like cop drama. Uh, Isle and Rizzoli and I, yeah. Franklin and Bash, Rizzoli, Rizzoli and Isles, or I don't you know. Itchy and Chafe. Yep. I don't know. Scratchy um, and... But <laughs> yeah. well, I in Deborah Foreman up until this point, like I had only seen her in Valley Girl and Real Genius. So when you're introduced to her for the first time, she's a little frumpy looking. And that threw me for a loop as a teenager or not a teenager, a young kid. Oh, that's judgmental. I was like, oh, it is totally judgmental. She's a judgmental frumpy. <laughs> this is not what I. Why did I rent this movie? I want a <laughs> refund. Well, but then the flip side to that is 
Deborah Goodrich's character, Nikki, you know, in Just One of the Guys, which I'd seen her in prior, I think that came out the year before, she's just kind of a goody-goody, two-shoes yeah. sweetheart. And in this, she's like a kind of a dirty girl. It's it's always an interesting move, right? When you see two characters who are known as like a couple in one movie and then they become a couple in another movie and that it's not a rom-com, by the way. I want to preface that. No, it definitely is because, not. But in, but in my example here, because if you take, you know, successful pairings of, of rom-com couples. Uh, Tom Hanks you know, and Meg Ryan. Exactly, right? Or um, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. Really, anyone with Meg Ryan, but um, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Right. If you take anybody and pair them with actually, Meg Ryan. no, that's good. Dennis, Qu- keep going with that. I won't come back to it with Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan, though. Um, but you know, you see two characters established as one thing in one movie, and now you see them, you know, and it can throw you off. Like it's an interesting choice to have Clayton and Deborah uh, paired up again. It is, and Clayton being such a likable guy in just one of the guys, and in this being, you know, douchey kind of yeah. prick. But I was going to say really quickly with Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid, they did Interspace together, obviously, but then they did DOA after that. Right. It's a very different tone, and I remember wanting to see, like, really love them together in Interspace and thinking, oh, it's going to, they'll have the same chemistry in DOA. Nope. Right. Just different. Not bad, not good, just different. Yeah, I feel like there's probably a ton of examples um, of this kind of thing where the couples are a little bit different. Um, but we as the audience always have to like it. Like We always have to be like, oh yeah, we're down with this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, there, there's one person in this movie that I, when I saw him, I thought... Whoa, that's not the actor I ex- I did not expect the performance from him in this that I was expecting. <laughs> um, that being uh, Tom Wilson, yeah. who plays Arch or Archie. Uh, obviously, we know Tom Wilson as Biff. He was on our Top Bullies episode, which is still to this day one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Oh, um, interesting. I love that episode. And and I love him in this. I listen to I that episode he, every Christmas. Every Christmas, I, I listen to it on my birthday, and I <laughs> recall the times I was pantsed or had had an elephant man in my face. Oh um, my goodness! Nice callback, by the way. Uh, no, Tom Wilson is awesome in this. He's amazing. His pop color. He's so cool. I for, I I don't think I I've seen him in other things. I think he was in like Let's Get Harry. I think with um, Mark Harmon. Yeah. And Robert Duvall. He's been in a lot of things that you wouldn't necessarily remember him from. Yeah. Because right now I don't remember him from anything. But I know every time I see him, I'm like, oh, yeah, there he is. I think that happens now with a lot, when you have such a huge, such an impactful, memorable role in a film. And then you do supporting roles in other movies that are, I don't know, just basic not as fleshed out as Biff. Yeah. I think his Biff is such a, an amazing character. Um, from Back to the Future, he, of course. From Back yeah. to the Future, yeah. But his role as uh, Arch or Archie in this is so good. I want to, I, like, I wanted to see more of him. Like, he, when he was doing, you know, I, I don't know if it's appropriate now to do it, but he's, like, doing an effeminate character, and and it's just so funny. Yeah. Like, he's just, you know, and he is a stand-up comedian. Yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted more of Tom Wilson. Yeah, he does a fair amount of uh, voiceover now too. I know he's he does does a ton of cartoons. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Um, so that those kinds of characters and voices and things he does he does do. So when this movie came out, it's a Paramount Pictures film. By the way, I love the way this movie opens because it is on that Super Eight handheld camera, has a much different look than I'd ever seen up until this point. Yep. Um, that has definitely been paid homage to, mm-hmm. uh, being a Paramount film, being produced by Frank Mancuso Jr., who did a lot of the Friday the 13th movies. I think when this movie came out, I was expecting to have a Friday the 13th vibe to it yeah. because, uh, Kit played by Amy Steele 
She's a, I think she was one of the final girls in one of the uh, Friday the 13th movies. Yes. Uh, the famous, famous photo of her holding the pitchfork on Michael Myers. Uh, Might have been part three, actually, that she was in. Um, she's great. I forgot how good she was. Like, everybody, everybody's really good in their roles. Even some of the actors that we may not mention, um, Nan and Harvey, because I'd never really seen them prior or after that. Yeah, and like the car- the um, Harvey, I, I, I don't understand. They were like, they had a, apparently they had a really hard time casting the role of Harvey. And that's why he shows up the way he does yes. in the movie, right? Yep. Yes. So he was like a very, he was a very late ad. Oh, I get it. That's a joke. Art, pal, Springsteen, still the boss. <laughs> Nan's a very sad character. Yeah. I won't give anything away, but you're like, ooh, that's, a, that's rough. Yep. Yep. But Amy Steele, Amy Steele is, I mean, at the time I still do, she's, super cute like fun like her her she and rob are a couple in this they're kind of i wouldn't say they're the main protagonists but they're kind of painted that way like you you, the camera follows them uh they're almost always together when you see them deborah goodrich is by herself i would say they are um ultimately ultimately yes you're talking about the that kind of horror feel you know the um the director, uh, Fred Walton, you know, horror, horror, horror background, uh, when a stranger calls, of course, terrifying movie, you know, it is one of those things where you do see them being like, okay, well let's get the, let's get the right people involved for this. Um, even though it'll be kind of lighthearted moments and it is important to, to have a, a good steady hand when it comes to the humor of this, like, for them to understand um, the director, you know, and, and the crew, like understand like how we're going to execute this without it being, you know, too goofy, um, having just the right amount of horror. It's not, it's not, um, I don't know. Sometimes we're like, well, is this a slasher? I mean, I guess it is. Cause you have a lot of gratuitous yeah. killings. I think slashers fall into the thriller genre at times. What the the writer of this movie, uh, Danilo Bach, uh, created Axel Foley. I know, which is really <laughs> that's wild, cool. right? Yeah, he he did, and so it's important to bring out the point too that this film has a totally different ending in the novelization, which was not, I believe, written by the writer, right. Um, and and I'm I'm not going to say more than that because David Irons, a friend of the show, a fellow patron as well, he asked Deborah Goodrich a very uh, specific question about that novelization. I think that's in the two dollars six questions segment she did with us. So that will be on a Patreon exclusive if you want to hear the answer to that. Okay. I don't want to give it away because I think it's a really good question. Her response is really good as well. Um, you know, she talks about this movie quite a bit in our interview that we did with her. So, you know, there are some things that we will leave out specifically because they'll be covered by her. Okay. In that, in so heads weeks. up in two weeks, guys. Two weeks, you'll have all those answers. So to speak. So to speak. We got to keep you... Uh... Keep you keep you wanting to come back, so can't say it all now. But you know, when you said like that, this this film has that cast that could fit easily into a horror film, right? Like Friday the Thirteenth. Ken Olin kind of has that Kevin Bacon ish look with the feathered, floppy hair. Sure. And, but he obviously looks like the guy who's going to survive at the end, whether he does or not. It's up to you to decide when you see the movie yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, you'll but, you'll be able to decide once you see it, <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I don't know. I, there's a I lot mean, of when I saw this movie, I'm like, oh, Clayton Roner's in it. He's gonna live. He's the hero. He's got to be the hero. Oh, he's not the hero. Oh, he's into that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't. Ooh. But that's. I mean, that's a typical Zach Schaefer perception. It is. I mean, we talked to Matt Adler yeah. about that. I idealize people yeah. in their role, so I idealize Clayton Roner. You're very as, disappointed in him. You're like Rick, why yeah, is he? and I will hopefully tell him to his face. Um, I think you will. I think I will. I think you will. Um, this Dream movie, big. though, 
the, you know, typically we have to find a song in this uh, to cover. And so I hadn't seen this movie in a while up until a couple nights ago when I watched it. I actually finished it the night before uh, we recorded. But so I, I had forgotten what the soundtrack was going to be like. Mm. And um, the score is by Charles Bernstein. Bernstein. Um, if you look up his the films that he has done, uh, he's actually got a very long history of uh, scoring films. In the, he's still working to this day, but he's been around since the late 70s doing everything from exploitation films to made-for-TV movies to horror films to all over the place. Amazing. So I thought, oh, are we going to cover Charles Bernstein? We might have to because I haven't heard a song yet, and I forgot that there is a song right at the end before the credits because I thought, oh, are we going to cover the song in the credits? Because it's really bad. Like I, you guys, you, you guys know I normally don't say that about a song. No, you don't. It's a really bad song that closes out the end credits. The song that you're talking about is... Um, it's called Too Bad You're Crazy by Jerry Whitman. Too bad you're crazy. It's just so... It's really bad. In olden days, a glimpse of stocking. It's just like so uh, vaudeville or something. Yeah. It's a very forgettable soundtrack. Uh, but, you know, it's like we watch movies and a moment will come up and we're like, oh, that's a great cue. Like that, they use that perfectly. What is that? Let me remember that. Yeah. Um, you know, you can think back to like when the first time we saw a lot of these movies and you're like, it, it can be defined by a song, uh, a song coming in at a certain moment. We know what song was playing, right? And just one of the guys, we can go through probably scene by scene and tell you, okay, you know, Hardway is playing at the beach at the prom. Like we know, you know, and this is just kind of like, oh yeah, what are the songs? Huh. Yeah. Mama told me not to come? Like, what? Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. That ain't the way to happen. Son. That ain't the way to happen. She's a son. Oh, I do love that song, though, and I do love that how it was used in Boogie Nights. I forgot that it was used in this. Right. So Boogie Nights, I mean, there's a great example. Like, using Sister Christian in the most dramatic way possible. Uh, just like really tense scenes. Yeah. <laughs> right. You've got the touch, or the touch, you know? Oh, my God. Jesse's girl, obviously. Yeah. Um, so many, so many scenes defined by music. I, I just want to ask you, are you a fan of the song Mama Told Me Not To Come? No, not really. Are you, have you heard the original version by Randy Newman? Um, yes. Do you like that version? I like it better. Me too. Yeah. I like it better. Me too. Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. Mama said it ain't a way to have fun. Why didn't they use that one? I was thinking of the song Spill the Wine because I was going to my boogie night place with Mama Told Me Not to Come um, and thinking of Spill the Wine in Boogie Nights. Mm -hmm. uh, anyways, that's neither here nor there because... I, maybe we'll talk about Boogie Nights down the road. It would be really cool to actually do that. Uh, maybe on your birthday. Get Luis Guzman on the show, perhaps. He's not He's not too busy now, is he? No, he is. He's playing Gomez. Um, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. God bless that guy. God he bless him. He is everywhere. He's God in bless a him. great episode of, um, of uh, Poker Face. Oh, that's right. What I just saw recently. Yeah. It's interesting how this, the actors in this movie, you don't 
really see them anymore on screen. Oh, yeah. You don't see Deborah Foreman in movies anymore. You don't see Clayton Roner anymore. You don't see Ken Olin anymore. Amy Steele. Um, Deborah Goodrich is a is a writer now. She's written like three books. She's a novelist. Yeah. So she's pretty much retired from acting. You'll hear her whole story in two weeks. Um, but it's a shame. Part of me is like, oh, that's a bummer. I want to, I, you know, I, I would like to see more of some of these people. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as we've learned, it's like the the business, you you know, it's very unforgiving. You also, you know, it's like at a certain point, it's like, why would you want to do it? Uh, you know, they've all pivoted to other things for the most part. Um, True. You know, different uh and and Clayton is still acting. I mean, he's just you just see him on like you know, he'll he'll guest star on like a Law and Order or something. So yeah, that's um, true. But you know, like Deborah Goodrich, who pivoted to writing novels, it's like a lot of times it's that you know you, people get into acting because it's a creative endeavor. And at a certain point, if you're just doing the same kinds of roles, and then you know, time happens and right. You either get bored of being typecast or like, that's, that's why a lot of people, the way they get to that next step in the career is when they write their own stuff or they, um, they do something else that fulfills that creative itch. Um, and in, you know, in Deborah, Deborah's case, she started a family and she wanted something that would be more suitable to her hours. You can write whenever you want to. Um, yeah, she actually tells a very interesting um the moment she decided to not act anymore. Yeah. So I, you know, I think it it makes a lot of sense to me and and with a lot of our guests acting has to be something that they have to do in any way shape or form for yeah. it to sustain for that long. It's like anything. It's true. It's true. It's true. Um don't think there's too much more to talk about in regards to April Fools' Day. Because it's Spoiler City again. In many ways, I feel like it, it's us waxing poetic on the actors that are in this that we loved. And um, obviously, you know, this is teeing up the interview that we did with Deborah in two weeks and the, the song that can kind of go either way. I love Three Dog Night, but this song, I would actually prefer to have heard the Randy Newman version. But this is a very, that the song that, the way the song is featured in this movie feels like a big chill moment. Yeah. I get the sense that like that's maybe what they were going for. The second time I brought up big chill, then that's maybe the last time I'll bring up big chill. I <laughs> yeah, I think the bottom line here is that we highly recommend you go out and just watch this movie for yourself. It Please it do. moves very fast, it's very fun, and if you love the 80s, which I assume you do if you're listening to this podcast, you love 80s movies, you're going to love this. It'll have a lot of nostalgic elements. You'll see actors you're familiar with in very different roles which is the biggest selling point i think and then um it's just it's just a fun movie you kind of leave it being like oh that was super fun yeah no i'm totally agree totally agree we are going to move into some fun facts from 1986 but dustin and i talked about this last month we covered thrashing 1986 this month april fool's day 1986 Next month, the movie we cover, I believe, came out in 1986, if it's what I think. Yes, it did. Uh, we're covering a couple more movies that came out in 1986. If you want to know what those movies might be, become a Patreon subscriber, and you'll get exclusive uh, news before anyone else does for upcoming guests, et cetera, et cetera. So go click the link in our bio yes indeed you i will i will add you will get that you will get the news before anybody else and then you will help contribute to the episode um yes which is cool right you can ask the questions you can tell us just however you want us to do the episode we don't yeah we don't even care we're just like oh yeah you want us to do yeah we'll do that sure yeah be a part of the uh the 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 best part of the guest interview that they always talk about yep every time (laughs) so because this movie because we're doing so many 86 films i'm going to focus on this month may the episode uh, the month this episode is dropping and talk about three quick little facts from may of 1986 on may 16th top gun came out in the theaters the first uh summer blockbuster yes i mean not not in the world but i mean of the 
of that year. Of, year, of that year, yes. for sure. Yeah, and it, and I for some reason I'm like, oh, that must have been a June movie. I didn't realize it came out in uh, May. Well, they usually get you before Memorial Day. True. Right. They, that's a, that's a big movie movie weekend Memorial Day. That is true. Yeah. That launches right. the summer season. So that was on a Friday. Uh, that same day, not in theaters but in television, Patrick Ewing, aka, uh, sorry. <laughs> Patrick Ewing. I got Patrick Duffy. And <laughs> hey, it happened. I was, uh, you're about um, to like blow my mind because I'm like, what is Patrick Ewing's nickname? <laughs> Wait, no, AKA I'll go with the that. Big Sandwich. Pat- Patrick Ewing from the New York Knicks comes back from the dead on the TV show Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, Bobby Ewing. You- Bobby Ewing. Came back from the dead. Bobby Ewing came back. Did you watch Dallas? Patrick I did not Duffy, watch Dallas. JR. Nope. I did not watch that show, but I know it was a big deal. People were bummed out about it. They're like, wait, no, because it basically wrote off the final, the season prior saying everything was a dream. Everything was a dream. That's the best shows do that. <laughs> Didn't St. Elsewhere do that too? It was all in the snow globe. Don't like how something went? Just call it a dream. It was a dream, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, last thing I'm going to bring up in April of 80s. Uh, sorry, it, this this came out in April in April of 86. No, I'm um, devoting this segment just to May, only May in April. You know what? I, that you're And so where I'm going with this is I was pulling up facts and I'm like, yeah, but this one is I didn't mention this. I teased this in April, uh, the thrashing episode. So I'm going to follow up with that. Can I guess what it is? Does it have to do with the Challenger exploding? Like, no, it does and not. And a special episode not. of a sick <laughs> It does not. Okay. It does not. In in our in our thrashing episode, I believe I brought up the fact that HBO uh, became a paid service. Yes, right? you did. So to protest that, a guy named an electrical engineer named John R. McDougal used the pseudonym Captain Midnight and jammed HBO's signal um, for a brief moment when it was playing the Falcon in the Snowman. Huh. For four and a half minutes and sent the message, good evening, HBO, from Captain Midnight, $12.95 a month, question mark, no way, Showtime, movie channel, beware. Criminal division is looking into a weekend incident in which someone suddenly interrupted a home box office movie on cable. It may have been a sophisticated prank, but as ABC's Bill Blakemore reports, nobody is laughing. 32 minutes past midnight Sunday morning, HBO viewers east of the Mississippi suddenly had their movie, The Falcon and the Snowman, interrupted with this silent message printed over color bars. Good evening, HBO, from Captain Midnight. $12.95 a month? No way. Showtime movie channel, beware. An objection to the price HBO is charging dish owners for access to its recently scrambled programs. The signal got weaker, then, after four minutes, the movie resumed. Spokesmen at the HBO Broadcast Center in Long Island are not saying how they got control of their signal back from the intruder, who may never be caught. The Federal Communications Commission is worried. We take it very seriously. We would prosecute with whatever resources we have. In a recent HBO movie, intruders broke in on a U.S. president to make a zany sales pitch. That movie was a comedy, but in the wrong hands, this new form of jamming would be no laughing matter. Bill Blakemore, ABC News, New York. When we come back, white-collar boxing, upper-class uppercuts. Huh. Captain Midnight, huh? So although this intrusion was minor, it caught the attention of the FCC and the FBI. Right. That's a federal crime. <laughs> it is. Captain Midnight's probably bargained. still serving time. He got a one-year suspension and a $5,000 fine. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I think it's fair. Do you think it's because he was white? <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> um, twelve ninety five is a very expensive price because if you think about an add on now, nineteen eighty six. Yes, yeah. that's out. That is outrageous. It's outrageous. It's barely. It's barely fifteen dollars now as an add on in twenty twenty three. Yeah, you guys need to. For those of you that are maybe too young to know this, um, cable prices were insane insane i know a lot of people can complain now oh but i got all these channels i'm basically paying the same for cable no you're not 
You're not. You don't have the same flexibility and choices that you were forced to have with cable. Okay, I'm not understanding. You were forced to have flexibility and choices with cable? No, 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 no. You have more flexibility and choices with these with these apps now or these channels, right? Right. Than you do with cable back in the day. You were basically forced. You got what you got. And if you wanted more, you had like you were basically paying a hundred dollars a month practically for uh, basic cable. Yeah, maybe but, less. But if you think about it from the perspective of there was so much less in terms of channels, content, all those other things. On top of, yeah. yeah, that you were. Um, I mean, it, it would really be the premium channels that we're talking about: the Showtimes, the Cinemaxes. Stars did not exist yet. Um, it did not. Showtime, Cinemax, the Movie Channel. And HBO. And HBO. Um, and they were showing, replaying the same movies over and over again at times, right? Uh, they were. I just think that, like, I don't know, because when you look at it now, like, we've got, things have gotten a little crazy now, too, like, because there's yes. always a new streaming service. You, I agree. You, you can never find the one thing that you want in one, you know, in any, in any one place. And we are always forced to kind of add on. And the problem is these streaming services, like, every, feels like every five months or so, they're like... Uh, just, they just shoot you a little, uh, covert email just a heads up. Um, they like, they're doing you a favor. It's going to go up another, uh, $5 on, um, you know, in a month. Yeah. I just got that from some channel. I'm sure it, it had been HBO. It happens every, well, it was HBO because what happens is HBO max, um, is now rebranding oh, yeah. as max and they and the price is going up a dollar because they're merging with the Discovery Library. So they've determined that the Discovery Library, you know, on top of, I mean, it's going to be a ton of content coming through Max, but they've determined like, okay, what can we get away with here? I'm sure it'll continue to to go up. So we're looking at fifteen ninety nine, but that compared to nineteen eighty twelve ninety five and nineteen eighty six, that's 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 wild. That is wild because oftentimes people say, oh, this movie made X amount of dollars in 1980-whatever. By today's standards, it would have made this inflation-wise, right? Yep. Uh, that's an insane number. I would. I assumed it would be like 595 back then. Totally. I'm with Captain Midnight. I am yeah. with Captain Midnight. There was no on-demand. It's, 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 it's outrageous. It's outrageous. Yeah. Um, Captain Midnight. Captain Midnight. He's yep. a hero. What can we what can we learn more about Captain Midnight? Gonna take HBO down to zero. Um because also if you have the ability to knock out HBO for four and a half minutes. That's a long time. Yeah. You you're the first the supervillain. And Falcon and the Snowman. I hope it wasn't like a, a, a you know, an important scene in the movie. Yeah. Sean Penn. Hope not. We'll have to in, in, interview some people who were alive when it happened yeah if you were affected by captain midnight's uh outage <laughs> let us know on well on patreon no uh seriously you can if, if you sign up to patreon that would be great um but if you like, go on no, our social media on patreon but seriously though and dylan laurie once again shout out to you my friend um you're a rock star yep. i'm telling you those mixed cds he'll be he'll we'll have him on for tales from the video store and patrons what do you know yep or, or does Zach like this? Go on our Patreon for more information about that. Yep. And we can uh, we can cycle back in. Why does uh, Zach own this? And certainly other other things. You know, we just uh, as we're as we're inspired to do so. We, I think we should. We will. Yeah. We. It's like a rotating library of 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 fun bonus things. But every month we do have the monthly trivia. Just want to throw that out there. Every month. Yeah, we have we have monthly set shows. $2, six questions, the monthly trivia, Tales from the Video Store. Those are locked in our staple shows. And then we have rotating shows throughout um, a whole back catalog yep. of why does Zach own this? And then that, that that might come back as well. We might do a wrestling theme one too. Uh, Paul London might join us on this. Oh, there you go. But guys, in two weeks, guys and gals, in two weeks, we've got Deborah Goodrich on our show. Please Stay tuned for that. And that's not a prank. <laughs> Just yep, kidding. Yep, yep, Wait, yep, shake yep, my yep. hand. Shake my hand. Uh, there's, there's a buzzer on it. Do you know who else could pull off a... Uh, the only person I think who could pull off a prank 
and have you laugh is Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, maybe Gallagher. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, rest in peace. Rest in peace. For real. That is a that is an for accurate real. one. That is an accurate one. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Miss you already. Thanks, guys. Until next time, take us out. We have whiskey with your water, sugar with your tea. What are these crazy questions that they're asking me? This is the wildest party that they ever could be. Well, don't turn on the light, cause I don't want to see. Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come Mama said it ain't a way to have fun Open up the window, let some air into this room I think I'm almost choking on the smell Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. (laughs) Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeedPodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 